0: Today, my guests are Leah Mitchell and Danielle Neal, the dynamic duo of the Diversion Program at Atrium Health, Wake Forest Baptist. I want to start first before we jump into our topic today with introductions. So maybe, Danielle, if you could start by introducing yourself and then giving us a little overview of maybe how long the program's been in place. And then Leah, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your program.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us today. We are excited to be here to talk all things diversion. Uh, My name is Danielle Neal. I currently oversee regulatory compliance drug diversion and medication safety and quality for the Atrium Health Pharmacy Enterprise. We started our program here at Atrium Health Wake Forest Baptist in 2019. And we started with a team of two, which was myself and an analyst who was an RN at the time. Um, and since then we have been able to build and expand our program and i'll let leah tell you a little bit more about that
2: hi my name is leah mitchell i am the director of controlled substance compliance and drug diversion for atrium health and work alongside danielle for this program um, as danielle mentioned we have had some expansion in our team over the past year i'm really excited for the growth that we were able to get executive buy-in to be able to get to where we are today Uh, which is four analysts and one technician, um, and then the two of us as well overseeing the program. We cover five facilities, so we cover a large academic medical center, uh, four community hospitals ranging in size from 50 beds to 300-ish beds.
0: Fantastic. So they have quite a team, folks. I'm sure many of you listening are jealous already at this point um, of their team and quite a comprehensive program. I've talked to, to, spoken to these women before, and they have quite a comprehensive program. They have software surveillance. And today we're going to talk about their waste assaying, which have, they have started doing. So... Um, you incorporate a lot of waste assaying. I'm sure it looks different depending on what area of the facility it's being done at, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But first, what was there a particular impetus in getting this? It's I'm assuming you you do it in-house. So you needed to invest in equipment, which is not a small investment. So was there something in particular that made the leadership want to move forward with this? Or give us a little background on why you started doing waste assaying.
1: Um, Sure, absolutely. So from the creation of our program, our executive and pharmacy leadership has really been invested in ensuring the appropriate tools are available for our team to have um, to do proactive diversion monitoring. So our health system strives to be a leader in technology innovation. That's always been one of our guiding principles within the pharmacy department to lead and innovate. And so through that, um, as we started to build our program, we definitely knew that we wanted to use waste testing to be um, a component of what we use during proactive surveillance. You know, we're not immune to diversion. So obviously we've had some situations that have led us um, to know that we need these different things within our program. Um, and then we also recognize that it's a best practice to have um, from ASHP Diversion Guidelines.
0: Okay, fantastic. Is the waste done by the end user or is it collated and done in the pharmacy?
2: We actually have several methods that we do for, for waste testing and Um, I'll just start by talking about our point-of-care waste testing model, where we do have providers submit their own waste. Um, There's a couple of different ways that we do this. So, one, we randomize devices to specific ORs, and providers are required to submit their waste through those devices when randomized to their room. Another way that we do it in some of our areas that may have, like our smaller hospitals where there may only be four or five ORs, will centralize the device and have all of our waste tested point-of-care testing by providers at one central location, waste testing device. There's definitely pros and cons to this approach for uh, for point-of-care testing, and I'll just throw out a few of these here for you. So some pros would be that we have decreased diversion risk, we have less hands in the pot, um, per se, for opportunities for breaks and chains of custody. So we have the provider who prepared the syringe actually testing their own syringe. Another pro of this is just the decreased pharmacy personnel time that it takes to test. And then in areas where machines are fixed, it's a routine workflow. So they're used to always wasting through the waste testing system in those areas. I'll just throw out a few cons to be unbiased here. So in areas where machines are randomized, there are variations in expected practices. So one day they may be in a room where there is a waste testing device and they waste through the ADC and then through the waste testing device. The next day, they may be in a different room that does have the device, does not have the device, and they're only wasting on that wall-mounted carbon container. Uh, we also see some cons with the number of collected samples. Uh, it's only as good as the compliance of the providers that are using the device. Uh, reconciling those missed samples and putting providers accountable is time-consuming and can be pretty difficult. We also see that our waste testing devices are not integrated with our automated dispensing cabinet, so we see some challenges with that. We're asking providers to both waste with a witness in the automated dispensing cabinet and then also waste through the waste testing device. Um, So ideally we would see some integration with technology in the future. And then obviously we recognize that self-submission of waste allows for potential workarounds for diverters to think about ways to circumvent the processes for their waste testing process.
0: Sure, okay, that makes sense. Um, Yeah, in terms of the compliance, I guess the only way you know if the provider is 100% compliant is to look at the full, what they've removed, what they've charted, what is waste, do you actually spend the time doing that? Do you have some, maybe you don't wanna tell because you don't wanna, (laughs) if any of your providers see this, but. is there some sort of at least random look at that to see how compliant they are?
1: Yeah, we definitely do audit that and we audit it every month. And we do have a, a dashboard that we put out to their leaders to show where the compliance rate is from okay. the providers. And if we see a train of providers that are not submitting their waste um, multiple times over and over, then sometimes that can be a red flag for us to start sure. an investigation. Um, sure. So we do use it in that way as well. Okay. Uh, The second way that we collect waste, and this is typically the most interesting way, people always have lots of questions around this one, is we do a random syringe collection mid-case. And so our pharmacy personnel, typically a pharmacist, but could be a technician as well, will enter um, an OR room mid to late case and collect any control substance syringes that are remaining for testing. Um, We do have pros and cons to this approach as well. What some of the pros is this allows for some um, unpredictable collection. So the providers don't know that we're going to walk into the room and say, hey, we need your syringes. And um, so when we get them back to the pharmacy, we can say, you know, we should have 100 mics and we only have 50 here. Like, what's the variance? What's going on? Um, because we have closed loop software, our anesthesia on our anesthesia workstations, we have a method to transfer the waste. So when we go into the room, the anesthesia provider will transfer it to the pharmacy personnel to maintain a closed loop there. And then also, this was recommended by our anesthesia leaders. They wanted us to do this method. They said that um, they wanted it to be unpredictable and they wanted their people on their toes so that they never know when their waste could be collected as a deterrent for diversion. Um, Some of the the cons we have is mid-case interruption. So, you know, it can be disruptive to the providers if we walk in and ask for their waste and they have to draw up new syringes. And then also, there's a potential for wasted medications that could be on on a backorder situation.
0: Wasted medications? Uh, you mean different products that different concentration or that type of thing?
1: Yeah, or like just national back um, shortages and back.
0: Oh, I see. Then you're yeah. taking away supply from the the stream. Okay, I got you there. Okay. Yeah, right. um, yeah. How? Yeah. Do you see a problem with, I know I've seen a lot of cases where the anesthesia providers don't necessarily chart very timely or they might, you know, the old school write it on their anesthesia record and then later put it all in the computer. So if you're going in mid case and taking it, do you, have you, do you have that worked out where they're charting real time so it really should be accurate in terms of everything accounted for?
1: They typically are pretty good about charting real time. And sometimes we will get it and it'll be short and we'll kind of ask, hey, guys, you know, we didn't have it. If it's not a trend um, and they'll say, "I, I didn't have a chance to chart it. I may have just given it when you walked into the room. But for the most part, they are pretty much real time charting.
0: Okay. Yeah. And you've, you've said it a couple of times, it's kind of the trending, right? I mean, if you've got something missing and, Oh, I gave it. It's like, yeah, okay. But if it doesn't happen all the time or the people that are not compliant all the time, although with anesthesiologists, sometimes it is just a matter of, you can't make me do that. Um, so you kind of have to work through whether it's that kind of excuse and, and sending it onto their leadership probably fixes part of that. Especially, it sounds like you have great buy-in from your anesthesia group that they wanted, especially if they're allowing you to come in mid-case like that. Um, Have you seen anything different in your results from the mid-case versus at the end of the case when they um, take things from, when they're doing it themselves? Have you noticed any, like, okay, we get a lot more from these randoms than, than waiting till the end of their case?
2: that we've really noticed any trends per se. And that way we do only collect a limited amount of samples in the mid-case review so that we're not disrupting multiple cases throughout the day or pharmacy workflows. So uh, by statistics, we get a lot less samples from mid-case than we do from provider submissions.
0: Okay. So we've talked about your ORs, procedural rooms type stuff. What about on your traditional nursing unit floors? How does that work?
2: Sure. So we don't have any devices right now that are randomized to our traditional units, but I'll tell you a few examples of how we do incorporate some testing from those areas. Uh, One is when we find an unknown unknown syringe. So it's in a locker room or it was found in a hallway. We're able to test that on site to identify what the unknown liquid is in the syringe. That's been really helpful to be more real-time analysis versus shipping that out to a lab for testing. Um, We're also able to test if we believe that a syringe has been tampered or relabeled. I'll give an example of maybe an infusion that's hanging, that someone has some suspicion that it might have been substituted. We're able to test that from the floors. We've also, I'll just share an example of something that has come up before. So we're able to see a user on a nursing unit via our cameras wasting inappropriately into a sharp spin and as part of an investigation we're able to pull that sharp spin down and then test the contents of those syringes. So we have used it on our nursing units in specific scenarios. Ideally we would love to implement this in some of our higher risk areas like ED.
0: Sure. Okay. Yeah. So everybody, did you catch that? They have cameras too. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we are doing from a nursing perspective, in our interventional radiology department, we do have a device station there, and 100% of waste goes through the device um, from a nursing perspective. So after every case, they're required to come to the device and submit their
0: waste. Okay. And just to clarify, does the end user see the results? They do not. They do not. Okay. So that comes up on a dashboard of some sort, and then your analysts are Reviewing that for results and trends and that type of stuff, right? Okay. All right. Um, So you've mentioned a few things about how you can incorporate them into investigations. If, you know, if you see something on camera or if something maybe is not effective Are there any other examples that you have in terms of investigations? I mean, at what point, like with an anesthesia provider, would you do a full investigation or other cases where it's like, oh, let's go back now and look? Do you then say, I want 100% of, of your stuff? And how do you incorporate that into an investigation for somebody?
2: I think for us, we use it as another tool in our tool belt. So we understand that waste testing does not necessarily always catch diversion. Um, We know that diverters are smart. They can develop those workarounds, like I mentioned. But it does give us another data point for analysis and direction. So if I can see through a case that their waste testing syringes are passing, but that individual is still several deviations higher than their peers in dispensing, for example, that might lead our investigation in a very different way. Uh, We may be looking more closely at patient condition. So after charting, do we see those those changes in condition that we anticipate? Um,
0: Sure. That makes perfect sense. What are some things that you have found since implementing your waste assaying? Have you found any patient safety issues? Have you actually has it led you to discovery to discover a diversion case? What have you found? Because many times we find something different than what we thought we were going to find.
1: I think we found a lot of things. Uh, Some of the stuff we didn't know as far as we had providers, you know, mixing syringes. And from a medication safety standpoint, we shouldn't be doing that. So when they were ran through the assay, they came back um, as wrong. There wasn't what we thought was in the syringe, but it was because they had mixed it with something else. Um, We have found that they're labeling things incorrectly, (laughs) again, a medication safety problem. We have used it to detect diversion, of course, um, but again, through trended analysis. So had a provider fail, checked it, it might have been a contamination or they mixed something, they failed again. Same thing. We'd already talked to them about not doing it, um, failed again. What's the problem? Why is the concentration wrong? Um, and so from that point, we, we can open an investigation and able to find a version that way. Um, one thing that we didn't mention is we do have a third type of waste testing and collection that we do. At some of our smaller facilities, they do do 100% collection and waste testing of all syringes from the OR. So two people go and collect from the bin, they bring it back to the pharmacy, they reconcile it against a report, and then run 100% of their syringes through the device. Um, Through this, we are able to see a lot more data points um, for single providers, and we don't have to necessarily pick and choose if we have um, a concern to tell our pharmacist, hey, can you randomly go in that room and and survey that provider? we are able to see all their data points. And so it's not just a couple here and there that we're able to get the other ways. So, yeah, there, I mean, there's multiple things we found. Again, we found bad practice. We found diversion. Um, like, like Leah said, it's not really a fail-safe to find diversion, but it is a tool a tool that you can use in your tool belt.
0: Sure, absolutely. And we can't forget that sometimes just knowing that you're being monitored will you either going to find a different way to do it, right? Because we all know that waste is a pretty easy way to to do diversion, to divert. Um, but if you know it's being assayed or your chances are pretty high that you're going to be assayed, then you either decide, let me do this differently, which then might make it easier for you to catch based on the data, the other data that you're seeing. Or it's just, I'm not going to, I can't get away with it here. And so I'm not even going to try I'm not even going to start and um, that's you know often how I, I spoke to somebody once and it was she realized there's so much waste here and that's kind of how she got started right so you've already taken that off the table for people if you're if they know they're being looked at now you've mentioned some limitations with the equipment that it's not connected to the ADC station and so People have to do it in two places. Are there any other limitations with the equipment that you wish uh, could be improved or changed?
2: I would say um, some of the challenges that we have, we're really relying on network connectivity for these devices. And as you know, all automation fails from time to time. Because these are in our ORs, they're not as easy as running into a central pharmacy to do maintenance on them. So that that's one thing. Um, they do need to be periodically cleaned. So that's just a workflow that we have to work through sometimes, um, always at an inconvenient time when one needs to be cleaned, of course. Um, and then there there's things that we have given feedback on to our vendor that we would love to see improvements or enhancements on and we're really fortunate to have a good partnership with them to get some of those things worked on that we asked for.
0: Good, excellent. So, are you all it's the pharmacy or your group that's trained to clean the, the machines?
2: Yes, and oh. we did that specific because there are some uh, very important pieces of the machine that we don't want other people to be putting things through, and we want to make sure they use the appropriate cleaner. So,
0: right, um, okay,
2: we partnership of that.
0: Okay. And then how about in terms of the formulary management for the equipment itself? Is it pretty easy to add if you discover something or you get a different product? Is that maintenance piece pretty quickly added to the formulary if you need something?
1: It is. Um, So we work through our vendor. If we get something new, um, they actually ask us to run things through that maybe they don't have on their formulary. So If a new concentration is asked for by another um, organization or if something new comes to market, they may say, hey, like, can you grab samples of that and run it through your device so we can get different spectra to build a profile? And so we work really closely with the vendor to make that happen. they're very good about building spectra that fits multiple NDCs. And so we don't necessarily have to change it every time we get a new NDC, especially like what we talk about shortages and back orders. And that would be very cumbersome. So they do all of that. Um, on the back end for us, which is nice. We really haven't had any problems adding anything to the formulary that we necessarily needed. Um, The only thing that that sometimes is a little cumbersome is adding our users and our providers. Mm -hmm. Since we are an academic medical center, we have an academic medical center site. We have um, at least twice a year, we have to update our residents and fellows. And so that does become a little cumbersome, but that's what we knew we signed up for. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember those days when I was working on the floors. It was June, July. It's like, oh, my gosh, be on your toes, pharmacist, because here we go. We're starting all over again. Yeah. All those new people. Yeah. Um, Do you have any lessons learned or tips that you'd like to share with the people listening if they want to get started? Things that you wish you had known at the beginning and you kind of had to sort out as you went through?
1: Um, I would say when we started, it was when COVID hit. and so we Don't had do to, that. We, yeah, don't, <laughs> yeah. don't start in the middle of a pandemic. Um, one thing that we had to do was just realize when we needed to pivot. Um, we kind of call it failing forward, if you will. So when you hit a brick wall, you can't just stop. You need to think about how can we make this work moving forward. Um, and we've had to do that several times. You know, we've hit walls and said, you know, this really isn't working. How are we going to pivot? What are we going to do? Um, so I think just keeping your mind open to how can you make it work in your organization? Every organization is going to look different. You're going to have different bed size, different OR types, different technology. Um, the big thing is just do it, you know, so until you start doing it, you're not going to be able to know what's, what's going to work for you. Just be open-minded and have the ability um, to change when necessary.
0: Yeah, open-minded, that's a big key. We sometimes get it in our head, this is what we're doing, and we don't anticipate what some of those roadblocks are. They're just not good for workflow, Mm -hmm. and we have to be willing to kind of change on that. Yeah. Leah, were you going to add something?
2: I was just going to add, I think, because we do have a lot of different types of practice sites, uh, a lot of times we're very quick to want to standardize our processes and Mm -hmm. look the same at every facility, but in this case, We've really found great success by using different models in the areas where it makes sense. So it may not be an opportunity that you want to standardize the process.
0: Sure. That makes sense. And that's a good thing to point out because I think we do tend to want to standardize throughout facilities and it's just not one size fits all. That makes, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, keep it up. You guys are doing some great stuff. You're certainly a good example for the rest of us of what a comprehensive program looks like because it, you come at it from all different directions and you've got the mitigation piece and then you've got the monitoring piece and um, it all works together to make it safer out there for not only our patients, but our employees as well. So that's great. Keep it up. Thank you very much for your time.
2: Thank you.